I wanted to give a trigger warning before today's episode. In today's episode, I will discuss death and estate planning, domestic violence, and issues pertaining to end-of-life decisions. If any of these topics are difficult for you to listen to, I recommend skipping this episode or listening at a time that you feel you are ready to deal with these topics. The Lupus Living Podcast. Today's episode, Lupus and Estate Planning. everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Lupus Living Podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host. This is a podcast to help those of you living with lupus navigate the challenges that you face. This podcast is also to help the loved ones of those living with lupus understand what we go through while living with this disease. I say welcome and thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen. To get the latest notifications for each episode, be sure to click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com backslash lupus living podcast, and also on Instagram at the lupus living podcast. Also, I wanted to remind you about a short ebook that I have available called Living Life with Lupus. It has information I wish that I knew when I was newly diagnosed. It's available on Amazon.com, or you can also purchase a digital copy on my website, thegwinalexander.com. You can click the, the online store button and you can purchase your copy and download it. I hope you were able to listen to the trigger warning at the beginning of today's episode. We will be covering some deep topics today. You may want to listen to this episode at a later time if you're not ready to think about some of these topics just yet. When I was 24 years old, I was named the executor of the estate of a family member. That means I was responsible for fulfilling their last wishes in the will that they had written. And when the lawyer called me to tell me this, my first question to him was, what is an executor and what am I supposed to do? He explained it and I told him I can't do this. I mean, at that time, I lived over a thousand miles away from the state where the property was and I hadn't lived with that person in at least six years or at least seen them. The lawyer said she really wanted you to do this. This person had two adult children, but they left me to do this. I had no idea that this had been done, that this person had named me as their executor. Because if they would have asked me, I would have said, no, please don't make me your executor of your estate. And one of the children of this family member wrote me a letter stating I didn't love that family member or I would not be selling the home that they lived in. And by the way, the person had specifically stated that the home I was selling was left to me, so that meant I could do with it what I wanted to. The other child tried to get me to give them the home instead of selling it. It was not a fun time. I got to the point that I had to stop answering my phone. And at that time, I was dealing with the death of the family member. I was going through a divorce. I had more debt than income, so I was having a hard time making it financially. To get to the funeral of this family member, someone bought my, t- my plane ticket for me. I didn't have extra money to purchase food while in the airport, 
So my plan was to eat a big breakfast and hope I would be okay until I got to my final destination. Fortunately, there were several people that gave me money for my trip, so I was able to buy food on my layovers at each airport. I had to get an order of protection against the person that I was divorcing. I lived in fear of them trying to harm me. Just to let you know, I had left and gone back at least three times, but that last time I was done. I had just started my job at that time. This is several years ago. So I didn't have a lot of time to take off to take care of someone's estate. Even after the estate was done, there was uh, one of those family members that I didn't talk to for almost 12 years. And the other one still doesn't talk to me as of today and has told other people they will not acknowledge me. I've worked in banking for over 20 years. And during some of that time, I worked as a teller and also as a personal banker. And one of the things that we have to learn is how to handle an account when one of the owners on an account has passed away. Most people don't realize even if you were married to a person that has an account in their name only, unless that person had a payable on death named on that account, the living spouse, um, unless they produce legal papers saying that they can have the money or else they can't get to it. We can't even tell someone if a person had an account at the bank even after death unless they have legal documents saying that they are the representative for the deceased person's estate. You may say, but Gwen, I don't have anything. Even if all you own is a car or if you have one account, um, if the car is in the deceased person's name, you can't sell a car unless you are the legal representative for that person who owned the car. It was hard for me when I was trying to help somebody, but I could tell that they they were having a hard time. And when I had to tell them, well, I can't give you any information because you don't have legal documents telling me that I can tell you anything. Now, I'm not a lawyer or trying to give you legal advice, but today I would like to give you some things to think about with estate planning. This is a topic most people don't want to think about. The day we won't be here anymore. When you make your estate plans, it's for your loved ones that are left behind. I wish my family member would have said something to me before they left me to take care of closing their estate. I feel I would have been better prepared mentally to deal with the things that were coming. Those of us living with lupus may have had a scare, especially when we were first diagnosed. I thought, this is it for me. I'm not going to be here anymore. This is why I relish each birthday I make it to, and I am very happy getting older. I also realize if I'm not here, I don't want my family to go through what I went through when I was 24 years old. Also, I want my wishes known so my family members don't have to decide what to do with my possessions. So I'm making sure everything is in writing. There was an article I found on lupus.net written by Jessica Johns Poole. And the link to the article, it'll be in the show notes. It listed the complications and comorbidities of those who live with lupus that we might deal with. So let's start by how they define what is a comorbidity and what is a complication. A comorbidity is a medical term that means a person has more than one medical condition, and many of us with lupus have several. This was something that, of course, I learned a year after being diagnosed with lupus. And a complication is a health problem that occurs as a result of the disease. So we have lupus, but it could cause anemia or kidney problems or things like that. So here is a list of some of the comorbidities that those living with lupus could face. Cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, skin complications, 
metabolic syndrome, infections, fibromyalgia, cancer, osteoporosis, central nervous system issues, and then a whole host of other autoimmune diseases. If you read the article, it goes into more detail about each comorbidity. I'm not covering all that today, but this is scary. When I learned exactly what lupus could do to you, I admit I was scared and still am. I was scared and angry, but I'd always tried to live my life in a way that I have no regrets. I have tried things in my life that I had no support to do, but I did it anyway. I have also updated my estate planning items recently. I'm in a different place financially in my life than I was all those years ago. And here are some things that you might want to think about when you do your estate planning. Number one, talk to a lawyer. I know this will cost you money, but every state is different with their estate laws. A lawyer can help you decide if a will is what you should do, or maybe you should set up a trust. If you have young children, your will can cover who will legally be responsible for your children. A lawyer can also help you with completing what's called a power of attorney. There is a power of attorney for property, and then there's one for health. You can have two separate people for both of those documents. The one for property designates who can buy and sell property in your name, or even open bank accounts for you, or take care of your current accounts. The medical power of attorney uh, says who will be responsible for making medical decisions for you. And here is a disclaimer from a banker and what I've seen over the years. Make sure the person or persons you choose are somebody you trust. Because when you give someone power of attorney over your property, they can open accounts in your names without asking you, and they can buy and sell property in your name without asking you. Now, you can limit their powers, which is why I recommend having a lawyer help you with this, and that those would be spelled out in the power of attorney papers. I had several people over the years not realize a power of attorney could come in and close their checking or savings account without talking to them. So that was number one, talk to a lawyer. Second thing I would recommend, be specific about who you want to get what in your will. I always say, if you want Aunt Susie to have the kitchen sink, you better put it in writing. You would be surprised by how family will fight over things that seem so small. If you want someone to have a certain item listed in the will or a trust document or whatever document you decide to set up, if you want money left to a certain organization, put it in writing. So that was number two. Be specific about who you want to get what in your your legal document. Number three, talk to the person you are considering making an executor of your state. The person may not want this responsibility. It's a very big responsibility. They may say they don't want to do this, so be prepared to have someone else. You may want to check if your lawyer or if there's an organization in your area that can serve as your executor. If this happens, there may be a fee charged. The advantage to doing this is your family will have time to grieve and also hopefully no one will fight with each other. As much as we want to think children and other family will not fight over things when we're gone, It does happen. It happened in my situation, and I've seen it happen over years of working in banking with families. I wouldn't want any executor to go through what I went through. So that's number three. Talk to the person that you're considering making the executor of your estate. Number four, 
have a living will. A living will, according to RamseySolutions.com, is, quote, a legal document that tells others what your personal choices are about end-of-life medical treatment. It lays out the procedures or medications you want or don't want to prolong your life if you can't talk to the doctors yourself. So end quote on that part. One reason to have this, your wishes will be known and your loved ones won't have to make the decisions for your care. I remember every time I was in the hospital in 2017, I was always asked, do you want to be resuscitated if anything happens? I recently had two friends that they lost their father and they were later surprised to find out they had, he had what's called a DNR. They do not resuscitate. It was his decision he made. And I have a feeling if the family was asked that they would have said, yes, please resuscitate him. But his wishes were different than what they might have wanted. I know it's not pleasant to think about this stuff. I guess because of what I went through with my family member all those years ago, I've experienced firsthand how important this is. If it's in writing, there's no question as to what your wishes are. So that was number four, have a living will. Number five, and there's six total, so we're almost done. Number five, consider putting a payable on death on your accounts and investments if, you are, if they are single owner items. When you list a beneficiary on your accounts or your investments, the money will go directly to those individuals. You don't have to tell them that they're getting it. Most of the time, you have to supply the name and at least an address of the person that you're leaving the money to. You might have to give a birth date. You'll want to contact your financial institution to see what their requirements are if you want to add a beneficiary. Also, Ask your financial institution what happens to the money in your accounts if there are two people on the account and one passes away. All financial institutions are not the same. All accounts may not be set up the same. So don't assume if you talk to one financial institution that it applies to all of them. So that's number five. Consider putting a payable on death on your accounts and investments. And then number six, this is the last one. Have a written document making your funeral wishes known. Do you want to be cremated, but your significant other or other family member says they don't agree with that? What if you want to have a casket funeral with a visitation, but your family wouldn't be able to pay for that? Do you have funds set up for that? Do you have insurance that will pay for that? I've seen several families over the years that wanted to have a burial for their family member but had them cremated because they could not afford to have a funeral. Funerals are expensive. I've seen prices that range from as little as $5,000 and up to $25,000 or even more. There is the cost of the casket, if you want flowers on the casket, and if the flowers you want are not in season, you're probably going to pay more for them. Then there is paying to open the ground in the graveyard and then preparing that. Then there is the headstone for the grave in which prices vary for that also. You may have to pay a charge for the place where you're having the visitation. If you're a member of a church, and, and the information I've given is from what we do in the United States, or what I have been uh, commonly seen in the United States. So if you're a member of a church, you can usually have the visitation there, but there may be a cost to transport the body to the church. The reason for putting your funeral wishes in writing is because there will be no question as to what you wanted. Someone can't say, well, she told me she wanted this, and someone may say, well, she told me she wanted that. If it's in writing, 
There's no question. You can also specify the person that you want to take care of all of this for you. So you could have one person designated to make sure your wishes are carried out. Again, talk to them about this before listing them as their responsibility. You can have a lawyer help you with this, creating a document to help you with knowing what you want. Yes, like I said before, it costs money, but there will be no question about what your wishes were. And when looking for a lawyer, look for one that specializes in estate planning. You may want to ask friends who they used maybe to get their estate planning documents done and who they were happy with. I know today's episode wasn't a positive or happy subject. It's a subject I wish more people would think about, not just those of us with lupus. When you take care of these items, it'll give your loved ones the time to grieve and not be stressed with making major decisions while they are grieving. Oh, and one more thing. Make sure someone knows where all those legal documents are and will have access to them. Review your documents annually to see if you need to make any changes or updates, so additions or take things out. I hope today's episode was a help to you. Like I said before, it's not a topic that everyone wants to talk about, but I think it's something that's very important. And it does and it gives you the person that's making all of this peace of mind of knowing everyone will know what your wishes are and you've designated a person to take care of that for you. I usually end each episode with a quote, but today I don't really have a quote that I want to end with because I just really like you to think about those six points that I had today. If you do have any questions about any of this, like I said, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a financial advisor, but I can maybe steer you to who, what kind of questions to ask. You can send me an email. My email is gwen at thegwenalexander.com or you can send me a message through Facebook or Instagram. So if you go to the Facebook page, just click the message button and also on the Instagram account or you can send me a message through the website you go to thegwenalexander.com and there's a contact button there where you can complete that. So I hope everyone has a good week. Let's keep going. Let's not let lupus keep us down. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only. The views of any guest on the podcast are their own. The host of the podcast is not a medical professional. You should consult with your doctor or medical professional before you make any changes that may affect your health in any way.